Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Just Browsing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach, back again with Matt today. And we're here to bring you a Last of Us podcast, the new sensation on HBO, the new um, adaption TV show um, based on the video game of the same title that just wrapped up their season finale couple of weeks ago, I think, at this point. Last um, Sunday. Last Sunday. Not, not the one we just had three days ago, but the one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so just wrapped up here recently. Um, we'll go ahead and say this right off the top. Spoiler yes. alert for Spoiler The alert. Last of Us TV show on HBO. So if you're listening to this, if you for some reason clicked on a Last of Us TV show recap podcast without having watched The Last of Us, I can't really explain that, but I'm giving you one more opportunity right now to shut off this podcast, go watch the show, and come back and listen to this later, because yes. we will be going into spoiler territory. Um, I have never played the games. Have you ever played the games? No, I heard playing the games could kind of spoil the way, because you, okay. you know, it fo- it's supposed to follow, there's no books or anything, Yeah. so it's following the story mode of the games, yeah. so I hear if you've played the games, you can kind of, you know figure out what's happening next. Obviously the yeah. TV show is going to take certain things and twist them and, and make an actual show out of it because it'd be kind of boring to just follow. To just do an exact. Because yeah. the, the video game would just be an animated version of it. Right. Um, so yeah, n- neither Matt nor myself have played the game, but I guess if you've played both games, you're probably safe to listen to this, even if you haven't seen the show. Because I mean, I think the events of the show, at least this first season covered the events of the first game that right. came out in 2013. So you're probably okay. Um, I would still recommend going to watch the show. It's it's very, very good. So, yeah, without further ado, we'll dive into it. Um, so I guess we'll just start here. What were your thoughts? I mean, it's kind of fitting that we have a worldwide pandemic, you guess you could say, in which the government seizes full control and yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the premise of, you know, there's this fungi that um, takes over the world more or less and uses the human beings as hosts. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, this is like the highest level like concept of the show, but then you have the Fedra, which is the government mm-hmm. um, that they just start murking people and yeah, you know, mo- it, they're like, Oh, you were close to an yeah. effect. Like we just got to kill you. And it seemed like, um, they weren't being very, I mean, it was like pretty obvious that Fedra is like a stand in for like a more militarized version of like FEMA basically right, yeah. like some organization that comes in to try and set up shelters and camps and stuff like that in the event of a disaster scenario and then ends up, establishing these quarantine zones and kind of takes full military control over everything and dictates how everyone's able to live in there. Um, I'll just say this. I thoroughly enjoyed the show. I have never played the games, but from the minute I saw the trailer for the show, I was like, I'm all in on that. It's got post-apocalyptic stuff. It's got zombie stuff. It's got Pedro Pascal. It's got Bella Ramsey, who was in Game of Thrones. Um I mean, that's all of those things that like checks every box of like shit I'm interested in. And it's HBO. It's like HBO. Right. Th- that's the thing that, you know, I think we've had this conversation before, but like if I was to choose, if someone was like, you have to cancel all of your streaming services, but you can only keep one, which one are you going to keep? It's HBO. It's like not even a, a debate for me. Just because Game of Thrones. Well, yeah, that and like shows like The Last of Us. They just have so many, like there's not another, to me, there's not another 
streaming service or network out there that puts out the quality of shows with uh, the amount of consistency that HBO does. I mean, you, you'll find other really, really incredible prestige TV shows on other streaming services and things like that. But HBO, to me, has so many of them. And even in their back catalog, you go back 20 years, they got stuff that was blowing people's minds back then that's still really good. And you can just go back and revisit it at any time. So HBO, to me, like as soon as I was like, oh, HBO's making this show, uh, and just judging from like the first couple of trailers, I was like, this is going to be epic. And it did not disappoint. I, I will say it's kind of like, it's always been weird to me when shows do like an odd number of episodes. Yeah, I don't get and why it, they just were like, this, and episode nine is yeah, the season this, finale. This first season was only nine episodes, which there's some pros and some cons to that. The, one of the pros is like, it's not too long. If you're going to try and t- talk someone into starting the show, it's not like a huge commitment. So, hey, it's right. nine episodes. They're all about an hour long, you know, 45 to an hour long. Not that big of a commitment. It's also not a big financial commitment from HBO side. Right. Hey, if this if this show falls apart and is yeah. terrible. They're like, eh, it's nine episodes. Then we, we, yeah. we lose out on the nine episodes, but we realize yeah. oh, we don't need another, yeah. another show. But there's no other, like, shows out right now that I can think of. And this is the one that has, like, all the talk around it. Uh, yeah. Oh, and that's one thing I was going to say, too, to add to kind of what I was saying is, like, HBO kind of seems to be the only streaming service who really, at least from what I can pay attention to, and I, I follow this stuff pretty closely, still get people, like millions of people debating and talking about it online on like Reddit, YouTube, wherever, breaking down, you know, after, you know, behind the scenes stuff and after show conversations and podcasts. I actually listen to, um, I'll tell everyone who's listening to this, there's a companion podcast and HBO did an official companion podcast just called HBO's The Last of Us. Really, really interesting. It's uh, the guy who hosted it is the guy who voiced Joel in the game and his guests on every episode are Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, the creators of the show. And they just break down all the events of each episode, give some cool behind the scenes facts, talk about, you know, how they built the sets and did the makeup for the zombies and all this kind of stuff. It's really fascinating shit. Um, so I think HBO is still one of the like only, if not the only streaming service that's still able to put out a show where it's like you, you tune in once a week and it's like Sunday night is this big event. There's a new right. last of us episode. Like game of Thrones had that for years where it was like, it was the show that everyone watched. And if you were current, it was like every Sunday, new episode of the game of Thrones. We know what we're doing. And if you go way back, like that's how Walking Dead was for me once upon a time. But then Walking Dead's quality just really fell <laughs> off a cliff. And Game of Thrones really was the last one to do it. So HBO, I mean, other than their own Game of Thrones prequel show, House of the Dragon, which we've done another episode on, this is kind of like, seems like one of their next big flagship shows. Now, I think the only thing that might prevent it from reaching like Game of Thrones level popularity is just that i don't think it's going to run as long i mean there's yeah uh, they, but this- they've already announced they're going to do a season two um i think they said the from what i understand the this season one covered the, the entire events of the first game but there's a sequel game last of us part two and i think they said they're going to plan on adapting that in more than one season now whether that means three seasons or whether that means five seasons i don't know how long they want to stretch it well, out so you have to think too though because so like game of thrones was limited because the books it was based off of um, stopped, mm-hmm. or, or it's not complete. The the true story of the full Game of Thrones is 
was not complete by the time they got there. Yeah. So they just um, kind of had to. Keep, so they just kind of had to wing it, make their and, shit and, up, yeah. and do their shit. But it was all based off of books, and it's if you know you're an avid reader. But for all those avid readers out there that read Game of Thrones, you read everything, and you're like, well, that's not really what they portrayed, you know, throughout the whole show. But then you're like, we're still waiting to read from yeah. where you know season seven left off. We're still trying to read what actually happens mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the the books, which is the right path to go. Whereas like. The Last of Us is on a video game where both video games are out. Yeah, the blueprint's and already there. The blueprint's yeah. there, and it's one of those things after The Last of Us 2, I don't know if they'll come out with the 3. It all depends on, you know, because, like, the adaptations from video games to movies or TV shows have not gone well. Usually they're there, not There good. was a yeah. Halo that didn't go well. There was a... World of Warcraft, like I, it didn't go well. Yeah, like most they, they did video a, games a that Doom go, uh, movie with the Rock back in the right. day, it wasn't very good. Most, the new Uncharted movie was really not that good. Mortal Kombat, I guess you could say, was probably one of the best that came yeah. out. But that's one that you're like, that would actually be a good yeah. movie. Yeah. So for them, once they get the next season done, or <clears throat> once they cover Game Two. It's an open book. Like, right. there's no mm-hmm. blueprint as far as to what they could do with this series. So if they come out and they're like, season two did even better, and they realize that they can kind of get the pattern of more and more people are enjoying this, they can just open it up to kind of a free world, like an open world yeah. type <clears throat> show, and have the creators of the video games who are helping with the show be able to go like, okay, well, we're going to work on a third game so yeah, why don't yeah. we, let's just work together for your story and our story so i think the longevity of it just comes down to viewership and yeah it'll be it'll be very interesting to see because i i find it hard to believe that hbo like let's say i mean the first season seems to be immensely popular let's say the second season comes out and it's just as popular, if not more popular, and it's it's like one of the most massive popular shows in the world. And they're gonna do they're gonna finish up adapting game two in season three. But then after that, they're they've done both games. I find it hard to believe they're gonna just stop. Right. Even though they've run out of runway, you know, like the story, they've already adapted the complete story from the games at that point. So now they're just going to have to be making up nah, their own they stuff. They got a runaway that's in the Fast and Furious, so they can just keep <laughs> going. And that's why that's what I'm saying is like the reason why there's still a new Fast and Furious movie every couple of years is because a lot of people show up to the movie right. theaters and still watch those movies. They generate it's all insane about money. amount of money, so they just keep making them because why not? We're printing money. Why not? I, I I find it hard to believe that HBO wouldn't do the same thing. Now, like part of me wants them to be like, no. Once we've adapted both games, we're done, and we'll just leave it as a really tight two- or three-season show, and it'll go down in history as like one of the best shows ever. Because I think that's the real problem, and I, I've probably ranted on this before, back, probably back when we did like our uh, um, TV show, you know, favorite all-time TV show bracket. TV shows usually have this sweet spot window where it's like, if it's not a limited series where it's going to be like a one-and-done season type thing, eight to ten episodes... If it's going to be a long-term running show, there's usually like the first couple of seasons, it's really finding its footing. It's finding an audience. Right. It's hitting the story beats, getting you really invested in the characters. And by seasons like three and four, it's really humming along. Like it's really, it's really yeah, good. Yeah, by season three, you and should then have by, your fan base built. Yeah. And then by season five, 
usually things are either peaking or already starting to kind of go downhill. And then six and on, usually, and, and granted, there's probably exceptions to this rule, but six and on, usually shows get a lot worse. And, you know, Walking Dead is a prime example of that, which is like... Yeah, but Game I, of Thrones is not a prime example Yeah, of no, that. I see what you got pulled up over there. But, I mean, Walking Dead was... I mean, I think actually... So Walking Dead finally finally mercifully finished with their 11th season i think like just this past year um it was still like the most watched show on cable even if in its 11th season with like half of the main characters who started the show having left four seasons ago and all this kind of stuff and it's just like you know walking dead or amc was the same way they're like it's the biggest show on cable tv we're obviously going to keep making seasons but i don't want last of us to fall into that trap of like we need to push this to eight or nine or ten seasons just because people well, yeah. are watching. It's like because then you start having that problem that The Walking Dead did, where it's like they have twenty five episodes per season, and you're on season ten, and you have like so many filler episodes with side oh, yeah. characters just going around doing basically nothing for the whole hour, and you're like, this is just. I can tell you guys are just filling episode time. You know what I and mean? Just, like, it's just a reach. This it's, is not. It's like Toy Story. There's five. not enough story here. You know, like just just make fewer episodes and make the story a little tighter. Well, I don't. I don't see The Last of Us being one of those. I don't. I. I couldn't see it going more than five, five seasons. I. I just again, like you. You kind of touched on. There's no blueprint to follow, so it's not yeah. like. I think they'll reach and they'll try and reach out after what game two was like, but I think it's going to be more of a, you know, they could reach out and what I would do if I was a director or the writers or what, who, you know, everybody, I would go, let's end season four with the ability that people would be happy with the way it ended yeah, and be like, okay, there's no loose ends. Yeah. Everything's closed, but then realize no, we could come back we because... Could, we could pick it up if we wanted to. Yeah. Right. So, like, <clears throat> you have your ways out. It's not like you have to come to this just super harsh, definitive conclusion, kind of yeah. like Game of Thrones, where it was just like, bang, bang, and everyone's like, well, wait, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's the ending of it? And they're yeah. like, yeah. Do you like it? And it's like, well... <laughs> everyone's like, ah, uh, no. So we really. did all of these episodes to end like this, and everyone's like, well, yeah, it was great. And it was like, <laughs> eh. Leading up to this was great, yeah. but now... Yeah. So, so um, kind of to what you were just talking about, another big HBO show that I'm a huge fan of, which has actually been yanked off of the HBO platform and is now on some free with ads streaming platform that I don't even know the name of, but Westworld is one of my favorite shows. It actually just wrapped up like last year or the year before its entire series run with its fourth season. And the creators of that show had a planned fifth season, but HBO canceled it basically. So basically what happened is the show ended with an ending that could stand in as a series finale, but also could have been just a season four finale leading into a f- eventual fifth and final season, which you can, you're like, you know, if you're a fan of Westworld like me, you're like, okay, fine. It's not the worst ending in the world, but it's like, I would have liked to have seen the creators of that show get to do one more season and wrap up the story the way they wanted to rather than being kind of forced to wrap things up. So, I mean, this, this is something that we've, we've talked about a lot and there's a lot of online discourse about this, but it's a hard thing to do to land a ship like that and stick the landing of a, of a TV show, especially right. a, a gigantic TV show that's watched by millions of people. So I think last of us, if they stick to doing it in like two or three seasons and just adapting both games and being done, 
that honestly might end up being perfect because it's like you know that you have this giant fan base who loves both games. You have the entire blueprint of the story from beginning to middle to end. You can just do that, you know, with obviously your little changes here and there for the adaption for the TV show and have a product that everyone loves and then just leave it alone and be done with it. I, I kind of hope that's what happens, even though, you know, I love that show. I would love to see more of it, but it's like I'd, I would be okay with seeing less of it in, in if it meant that the fewer episodes that we got were better rather than like two more seasons it's of all shit, about you know money I mean? though <laughs> if well, they're yeah. making a shitload of money then they're gonna be like let's reach for another season yeah yeah and then we'll get feedback from the next season and and granted you know and you kind of touched on this a little bit too one of the co-creators of this show is neil Druckmann, who created the story and did both games basically he's right. like he's like the mastermind behind the last of us and he's you know, one half of the brain trust who made this adaption, this TV show adaption. So it would kind of be like the comparison would be like in Game of Thrones if those guys, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, had George R.R. R. Martin writing and creating this show with them. You have the creator of the whole world right there with you. You want right. to be like, hey, we're past your books. What do we do next? You got the guy. I mean, there's no better source to have right there. So it's like for The Last of Us situation, if they finish up adapting the second game and they want to keep – if HBO is like, we'll give you unlimited amounts of money if you keep making this show, they can just ask Neil Druckmann and be like, hey, you got other ideas for where this story could go? I mean, right. there's definitely like – There's there's pathways. Pathways and- to go. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to come up with some compelling stories. but Yeah, but it's also one of those – and I'm just not a big zombie guy, right? So I've never been the biggest fan of like zombie and apocalyptic type movies like that because it's one of those, oh, a disease comes to planet Earth and now a bunch of people are infected in zombies and there's little groups surviving. Like it's almost all the same fucking story. Yeah, there's a lot of the same like, story beats for sure. Like The Last of Us is different though, right? And like, you know, I'll kind of jump into the story behind it is you have Ellie who is. What is she, 14 in the show? Something like that, yeah. 14 or 15. Some, you know, she's she's younger um, in the show, and it's one of those, you don't know this until later on, so I'm not going to go episode by episode. We're just going to go into yeah, the Yeah, we'll kind of bounce around. She was bit, as we find out, in the mall with her friend, mm-hmm. who she ended up having to kill, and that was the first person she ever killed, mm-hmm. which is obviously touching. It'd be hard to kill your best friend, even though... They're, they're gonna kill they're you anyways. A zombie like, trying yeah. To kill you, yeah. <laughs> so we find that out, but then when you're introduced to her, she's in handcuffs and she's a prisoner of this group called the Fireflies, who are, you know, the rebels fighting this corrupt government that is mm-hmm. more or less keeping people in these safe zones to yeah, yeah. as they say, stop the spread still, even though this is twenty years later from where mm-hmm. the show actually <clears throat> stars with Joel and his daughter and brother and it's one of those, like, you're like, okay, so what's the whole fucking story? And then you find out, I think you find out in, like, episode three, when Joel and, um, oh, I can't even think of her name. Tess? Tess, thank you. When Joel and Tess take Ellie, because they're going to go try and find Joel's brother in, in Wyoming, mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. You know, these fireflies are like, you you take her, and then they find out, they're like, what's so important with you? And they find out that she's infected, but she ha- she's not infected. So she was bit, but she's not the, the fungus or fungi, whatever it's called. Cordyceps. Right, hasn't yeah. taken her body. Yeah. So, like, she's immune to it, 
So they're going to take her to develop a vaccine to mm-hmm. like that. That's the the goal of this. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, that's also a not of, a new idea either. That's been in a lot of right, zombie. Things, right. Yeah. But it, it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, so that's the, the that's like the premise of this whole, mm-hmm. like they're, the episode with, um, why can't I think of his name now? Is it Steve? Who are you thinking of? The the guy who sets up like his whole doomsday town. Oh, Frank. Frank. Bill and Frank. Bill yeah. and Frank. I don't know why I said Steve. Um, <laughs> Steve. I don't know. <laughs> Just I, knew, I knew it was some Hope random. It sticks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like that episode was kind of pointless. Like. Yeah, it, it was, I can see that. I mean, you could you could argue that it's just kind of filler. I I really enjoyed it. I I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad episode. What I'm saying though is, to the story, the only little piece we got from that story is those two were friends with Joel, right? And you get you get the connection with with Joel and Tess and And, like how they knew them. But you only get it at the very end. They're like, "Well, we you know I invited friends over or whatever," and that's all you get. Mm -hmm. There's no connection necessarily besides this dude's like a full on doomsday prepper. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's one of those you know like. He was ready for he it. He was fucking and, ready to go, yeah. And um but <laughs> but besides that there was no like real connection. I thought he was going to play a bigger role in the mm-hmm. story than just being more of like hey, come to our house and grab our supplies. Yeah. Like, we're dead yeah. in the bedroom, don't open the fucking door. We left the window open so the house doesn't smell. <laughs> just take whatever you want. And it's like so that's their importance. We we put a whole episode into these guys story, but in the overall story of the show it really has zero impact. And I'm kind of like, we could have done without like this episode. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I, one thing I'd like to point out too is, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you really enjoy the like opening five minutes of each episode, especially for the first handful of episodes, the openings were well, really good. The like, opening to the, the first episode, yeah. like in the seventies. Yeah. Or whatever. Can we talk about that real quick? Cause uh, first of all, I'll just say, I think every episode of the show was anywhere from good to great. The first episode is one of the strongest opening episodes of a show, one of the best pilot episodes I've ever seen to a show. I was I was hooked. Yeah, I got into it. Immediately gripped. And and it all started from that cold opening. I, I like watched right four before, episodes that night. I was oh, like, oh, dude, I got to yeah. see where this goes. I mean, so that that first episode, that cold opening is like like you said, the flashback back into like the sixties. It's like late sixties like or seventies. I forget right, when on it's a talk set. show on some sort of a talk show, and this guy's got these scientists on there, and they're talking about like, what are you worried about with potential like societal ending events, like catastrophic events, and this one guy's talking about all kinds of you know concerns and you know climate concerns and everything, and then this other guy's like, fungi. And everyone kind of like laughs at him or whatever. And he's like, no, I mean, seriously, fungi. He's like, this is something that affects insects, which this is the cool thing too that I wanted to touch on. Because as soon as I started The Last of Us, I started going to YouTube and watching all these cool videos about and realizing and stuff. That and, there's- and that's one thing that's crazy is the game. Obviously, this is a fictional world, but the, the, the concepts the are not fungus, fictional. Yeah, the fungus of cordyceps is a real fungus in our world. And it actually does affect insects and do some of the same things to right. insects that it does like to people fungus. Yeah, in the real world. And the only reason we don't have to worry about this as of right now, supposedly, is because that fungus can't survive in temperatures that are maintained with inside the human body. It's just too right. hot for it to survive, which, right, thank because, God. Because he touched on that in the opening scene. He's like, if global temperatures drop and like the human body, like our temperatures drop to... 
I think he said is like 93.5 degrees. Or he was saying if as climate change kind of increases the Earth's temperature and that fungi learns to adapt and live right. at higher and higher temperatures, eventually it's going to be able to live inside of human bodies, which is then a huge fucking problem. Right. And then he starts basically explaining what it does to insects, which is basically burrows into the mind of the insect. Right. It's a fungi of the brain. Yeah. And like basically zombifies, which is kind of to, to your point where the name comes from, zombifies the insect and kind of forces it to do its bidding in order to then spread more spores right. and spread the the fungus, which is horrifying if you think about it. So the idea and what makes the show so terrifying is that what if we lived in a world where that could survive in humans? And then that's where you jump in right after that cold opening, you jump into you know, the flashback of Joel back when he's living with Tommy, his brother, and his daughter Sarah in just Texas. It's a normal world. It's a normal world. It's 2003. I think, yeah, I think that's right. Because um, they basically, I think they changed so the safe. dates a little bit. We're they safe made, right now from, yeah. from this happening. They, uh, they made the, it's like a 20-year jump, but they made like where you jump to to like present day basically right. in our world. So it was like 2003 to 2023. Um, but yeah, it's, it's right before... Anyone knows about this fungus, and then you basically get to see like the day and then the night leading into basically when the shit fully hits the fan, and Joel has to go through everything. And like, it's one of those I, I always find those moments you know, there's a lot of post apocalyptic type shows and movies where all you ever see is like the after effects of everything. You see the broken down cities. You see the cars along the side of the road. You see plants that have overgrown everywhere. Dead bodies, skulls, that kind of stuff. And you're like, man, this must have been terrible. I can only imagine what this would have looked like when everything was hitting the fan. But what's really compelling is when they actually show you the shit hitting the fan and how fucking terrifying that is. If everyone's running around, they're confused. No one knows what's happening. Everyone's just dying. Like cars are crashing in, sp- explosions happening, people shooting each other, and biting each other. And the government gets involved. Yeah. And so the, that whole first episode is tremendous because it's basically. Um, and what, there's one really, really, really great and subtly terrifying moment right before all the shit hits the fan. You know how they have Joel and uh, Tommy and Sarah live right next door the to old, this the older couple. The older couple, and they have like this grandma there who's wheelchair-bound, and she basically doesn't speak or right. anything, and she kind of just sits there. She's clearly got some sort of like degenerative brain disease or whatever. And Sarah keeps going over there. She goes over there regularly to like hang out, spend time, bake cookies, do whatever. And she goes over there, and there's this scene where she's like, she's perusing like DVDs or books. I can't remember exactly what she's doing. And like the camera is facing her face, and she's clear. But in the background, it's blurry, but you can see the old lady sitting in her chair. And she goes from not having moved the entire time we've seen her thus far in the episode to starting to do all these like weird, fast like, like twitches. twitches in her chair. And then right as Sarah turns back around, she kind of like stops doing it. And it's just like this really subtle, like, oh, fuck. Something right. bad's about to happen here. And then that's when, you know, Joel has to go. He gets the call from Tommy. He's got to go arrested. bail him out of jail. So then he takes off, and Sarah's just there asleep, and she wakes up, and here comes fucking Joel, and he's like, we got to fucking go. She goes over to oh, the next no, door. It was the, the dog woke the dog, her up right. on the couch, and she's like, yeah. "What did you, how did you get out? So then she goes to take... Yeah, the dog back, and, they're, they're and the front, front door's, door's just open. like wide open. Yeah, and so she's like, you know, at that point you're just kind of like, they were old, 
<laughs> they were old. Yeah, you know, that, just, you, yeah, you know that's one of those moments where like the hairs on the back of your neck are standing up, and you're like, I don't like this. Something's I also, wrong here. In all these movies, and I know they do it for suspense and shit, but if if I'm going to, into my neighbor's house. In the middle of the in night, the middle of the night and the open. front door's open and like weird shit's starting to yeah. happen around, I'm flipping the lights on the first thing I do. 100%, yeah. Because then I can see. Yeah. But every time they're just like, hello? It's like, throw the lights on so then if they see you too, yeah. they don't just shoot you right away. They're exactly. like, oh, hey, yeah. it's and, Sarah, and maybe, our neighbor. Maybe make your presence known right. Like from outside. Like, hey, I'm coming in. It's me. Don't shoot me. Yeah. Or if you're not home or you're dying or dead or a zombie, let me know. Let me know so I don't go in there. So then she goes in there and she finds the the husband, the old man in the kitchen, like bleeding out of his uh-huh. neck. And yep. I think the grandma was like on all fours at that point or something. Yeah, I, I think thought she was going to be like a demonic like that. Yeah, yeah. Like upside Up down. Up on the on ceiling in the corner yeah, or whatever. Like, yeah. And then screech like, <laughs> And I'd be like, nope, I'm not doing like, this. Fuck like, this. Yeah. Fuck this. But so she goes in there and then she sees it and she like starts to run away and that's when her dad and Tommy roll up yeah and I think he walks out with a baseball bat and, and just, just like marks the, the grandma lady. and then well, and the neighbor's like Joe what the fuck man yeah and he's and like dude trust he me he goes out like, there and he's like gets in and just starts driving away yeah. and then the neighbor gets marked by the old grandma yeah well right before that so I think the grandma's bent over that mom like it's, right, it's probably the, her yeah, daughter in the and she's basically like biting into her neck. And as she pulls her mouth up, there's this fucking disgusting <laughs> visual of these like cordyceps fungus tendrils coming out of her mouth, which is like ugh, so fucking it's, gross. It's like a um, <laughs> like a squid type like yeah, tentacle. It really like, is in yeah. the mouth. And that's like the fungus. That's its attempt to like spread to this new right. host or whatever. So yeah, so then that whole thing happens. I, there was also one really great thing that I loved. Well, another great thing that I loved from that first episode is there, you know, it's it's Tommy and Joel and Sarah in the truck and they're hauling ass and you can see everyone's on the highway trying to get out. Like there's explosions. Like they, clearly something really bad's happening. Right. And after the experience they've just had, they know it's some sort of weird infection. It's affecting people. And, you know, you can hear Joel and Tommy in the front seat planning, like, where are we going? Let's go to Mexico. Where are we going to cross? We can do such and such. And Sarah has this one really smart line in the back seat where she's just like, what if this is everywhere? And that's right. one of those things that I've always thought about in an event like that. Like, you know how it's whether it's like World War Z or like whatever zombie movie or post-apocalyptic movie you want to see. There's always like this, when everything starts, when the shit starts hitting the fan, there's always this immediate mad dash by everyone to go somewhere. Everyone starts getting in their car and hauling ass or running. And it's like, where exactly are we going? Because if if this is everywhere, why are we in a hurry to get to another location? It's the same fucking story in a different city. That's Everything's why, fucked. That's like, why people have like doomsday bunkers on like right. 100 acres of land in right. the middle of it where they're like, no that's one's you need there. To be. Yeah. And it's like, I, I thought that was a really intelligent line because usually no character in the movie ever even stops to consider like, hey, where is it that we're going again? And why do we think it's going to be any better where right. we're headed? Like, you look around. This shit's spreading pretty fast. Right. Like, That airplane that yeah. just crashed didn't take off from our airport. Exactly. Which means wherever it came from had yeah. the same shit and it just hit them in midair. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to know those. So, this, so, so then I think it's episode three or four when they show that this started in Indonesia mm-hmm. with a doctor that goes in and another great opening. She like sees the, the bite mark on his leg or whatever. And then she like, I think she opens his mouth up Ugh. and you can see it come out and she immediately like it's drops like, all this. of the shit nope. and like nope. leaves. Yeah. And, um, 
then they were like, so they're asking her like, what do we do? Right. What do we do? And she goes, bomb, bomb. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're like, what? And she's like, more or less nuke the cities. That's yeah. the only way to slow the spread. Yeah. So that kind of plays into going into back to episode one, because Joel, Tommy and Sarah are driving, trying to get through. Mm-hmm. They get in a car crash going through town and then they're on their leg or, you know, they're running, but Sarah has a, like a broken ankle or whatever. Yeah. So Joel's carrying her and then they run across the government who's supposed to be there to help. And he shoots and kills Sarah. Tommy kills him. But then I don't know how Tommy and Joel, Oh, they kind of explain later on how Tommy and Joel got separated. Mm-hmm. Um, because then all of a sudden you flip to, Sarah's dead, but Joel's now in Boston 20 years 20 later. 20 years later, yeah. So <clears throat> that's kind of like, holy shit. Like, now you're drawn in because you're like, well, right. what the fuck happened? What's been you're going right. on? And I just they were was, originally in Texas, right? Yeah, they was, were in the Dallas was it area. like I Austin or Dallas or somewhere? I forget where they were. And then, yeah, like you said, after Sarah's killed, the flash forward 20 years, all of a sudden Joel's in this Boston QZ, and he looks real old and weathered and real like he's not lived a pleasant life. Well, and then speak of another good entrance, they show a young boy walking in Mm -hmm. who just looks like he's been through the ringer, but he doesn't, he looks, he looks okay. He looks okay. And then they have some scan thing that they can do to the back of your neck. I think it's probably just like a temperature Mm -hmm. because if you're, you know, like we said at the beginning, if your body gets below a certain temperature, the fungus can survive and then it's going to keep you alive, obviously, Mm -hmm. because you're the host. And they like scan the back of his neck, and it comes up red. It was a very I am legend thing, you right? Know? Like there's that scene where they're all trying to get to the helicopters, and they're scanning everyone. Right. But he's like tied to a chair, and they're like, "We're just gonna give you this shot. It's mm-hmm. it's not gonna hurt. You'll be okay. You might feel a little tingle." And then the next scene you see is Joel throwing him into a pit, to throwing burn his him. body into a pit. Yeah, with and basically no emotion. Like right. there's that he's basically on like body burning detail. Right. And there's this lady next to him who's like, I can't. It's a kid. I can't. And right. he's just like, all right, get out of the way. And he, he just grabs, grabs the body and just, and just tosses him. it into the pit. No problem. So you're like, okay, clearly Sarah dying and the last 20 years has changed this guy yep. like drastically if he's just deadpan able to do this. And there, then there's scenes of him like you clearly find out that he's been in this Boston QZ for so long. He knows how everything works. He's got some sort of a backdoor handshake deal with one of the FEDRA officers. You know, it seems like FEDRA has basically, there's this, there's these quarantine zones and we know that one of them for sure is in Boston. Cause that's where we first see Joel after the 20 year jump. But then you, later in the, in the show, you get to see other QZs in right. different cities. And so it's like, Basically, at this point, everything's gone except for these QZs where, like, Fedra was able to set up a perimeter around some sort of, you know, X amount of distance of a city. Nothing got in. Everyone who's in there is no longer infected. But now Fedra just runs everything. And, you know, if you're a citizen living in one of these QZs, yeah, you're not having to face clickers every day. But also, it's not exactly... It's not paradise. It's, it's not, not paradise. It's, it's not free living anymore. It's, right, right. So you're, you're and, living in a militarized, a militarized, you know, dictatorship essentially. Right. And basically, everyone who's there has to work for like, you know, they have their own like monetary system and it's stuff. Like pieces and, of paper. Yeah, yeah. It's and like so, uh, Star Wars when uh, Ray goes in and she gets rations. 
Right. It's like yeah. a ration system. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, you know, you can go clean the sewers, you can burn bodies. Like you got to be productive right. somehow if you're not a member of FEDRA. And there's basically like, you know, you step out of line, they just shoot you kind of thing. It's like you either you want to live here. This is how it fucking works and tough. You know, what's crazy about like all these zombie movies. And this is another one of them. And I think I brought it up to you as one of those. So they bomb the cities to help slow the spread. But when you bomb the cities, are you going because, you know, you don't have the power grid in the city. So are you bombing like the power grid, too? Like, are you bombing your water plants? Are you bombing like because in all these zombie movies, right? They're just like it's an apocalyptic scene. You know, there's five square miles of uninfected area. And it's like, okay. So if everyone, so, so, you know, I don't think the fungus can swim across the ocean. Not that we were shown, no. So this isn't the best example, but like, let's just say you're on Hawaii, right? And there's, you have 350 people in a, or we'll just do 500, make it a little easier on ourselves, <laughs> in your QZ zone. And they're like, okay, we know there's going to be 500, there's 500,000 people total on all the islands, and we have 500 here. You're like, okay, we're heavily outnumbered. But we could slowly kill every single one of them, burn their bodies, throw them in the ocean, whatever, to the point where you're like, Hawaii is free. Like, we can rebuild civilization back to normal out here, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing going on. So it comes, like, 20 years later, and we're still, like, there's still this disease going on, like... Travels not it doesn't exist, so it's not like you could eradicate it from your place, and then someone flies in from Europe or, mm-hmm. you know, an, another continent. So it's why why is it never like oh a zombie apocalypse happened, and twenty years later this we're still fighting them. It's like you guys have superior technology over a fucking fungus. If you kill, as we talked about before, we haven't seen it infect animals. Mm-hmm. So if the hosts are only humans, if you just kill all the infected humans, you burn them and no one else gets bit, okay, the world goes back to fucking normal. <laughs> I'm not saying it's an easy yeah. task to go out there and kill every single infected person, but you got to think in specific areas. Like like they said, they're they're the infected don't just go walking down the street, so they're not going to go from New York down to Miami. You know, they're just going to they're going to be inactive along the way or they're going to end up whatever, like exploding and the Mm -hmm. fungus just grows out of them and dries up and dies. Yeah. So it's one of those, you could slowly eradicate larger areas, but then I think there's, this is like my conspiracy parts of it. I think there's more of this government wants to control people again. So they're like, well, no, they're still infected out there. It's like you could have slowly been gaining ground every single week and moving and expanding your area to live a free life again, but you don't. Well, there was, and this is skipping ahead a little bit to one of the episodes where we get to Kansas City and that quarantine zone. There is some mention during that episode that Fedra in the Kansas City QZ drove all of the infected underground. So basically, there's no running into, even if you're outside of the quarantine zone walls, there's no running into clickers out on the street level. They've all been driven underground. Now, obviously... That didn't go so well. Yeah, as you get later into that episode, that doesn't go so well. But kind of to what you were saying, clearly, if Fedra, you know, the only sort of 
decently well-supplied and well-organized group of humans who aren't infected that's still remaining, if they put their mind to it, they can start making progress incrementally on eliminating this problem. Because they give up power that way. Problem is, though, there's still no cure to this. So you could go out and kill all of the infected you want. One Fedra soldier comes back. He's infected. He doesn't knows it. Goes inside the QZ. Bite someone at night, and here we go all over again. It fucking spreads like wildfire. Well, right. So, there's obviously it would have to be like a stricter, you know, response to it where you're constantly being tested and shit. But like, well, I think probably most people's whole goal is just how do we survive? How do we find clean water? How do we find food? You know, we just gotta, you know, like okay, all the clickers are outside those walls. That's great, but we have other problems. We have no power. We have no water. We have no food. You know, what do we do about this? And then there's, I'm sure, God knows how much killing of So they choose to stay in uninfected an infected city on. where they bomb the shit out of it. They're like, let's stay here. It's safe. It's like, maybe not. You know, well, they, they probably, bombed all this shit. Well, and, and to that episode about Bill and Frank, I think a lot of people didn't have a choice. They just went around. Fedra was like, we're rounding up anyone who's not infected. And guess what? You're coming with us. You're going to be in this quarantine zone. Because the way they probably looked at it initially was like, the the more humans who aren't infected we get with us are the less clickers we have to fight later. You know what I mean? Because if we leave these people out here, they get infected. It's just more problems to deal with. Um, but I wanted to kind of skip ahead a little bit too to kind of like work our way through the season. Um, that so there's the there's some compelling narratives going on. There's obviously us against the clickers and cordyceps. That's one problem. There's Joel trying to basically single-handedly take this young girl across the country. Who he he wanted nothing to do with. He just wanted to stay in Boston and die. Has to take her across the country and somehow survive all the trials and tribulations they're going to face going across the country to try and find a cure. And then you have the whole storyline of this overarching sort of malevolent Fedra, this military force, and then the rebels, the the fireflies. And they eventually arrive at the QZ zone in Kansas City where Fedra's been completely overthrown. Now, I think the way they kind of show it is that happened relatively recently before Joel and Ellie show up. Like, that wasn't that long. So Fedra was in control there for damn near 20 years, and then these fireflies rose up and basically killed all of them. Well, you got to think, too, like they encounter pirates and, you know, raiders and, you know, random people that are just out there, and there's, you know, you could kill someone in... If you're outside of a DZ or whatever, like you could kill him and get away with it. No one's going to care. Yeah. There's going to be no. And, and you could just be like, he yeah. he was bit, so I shot him. Right. right. And then everyone's just like, well, I'm not going to go near him. Then like he was bit, he was infected. So it's one of those like, but that's one thing too, just to like kind of touch on. You're like, we're going to jump ahead. We go from Boston to Kansas City to Wyoming. Like, there's a lot of fucking ground between all of these destinations, and we see none of it. And it's one of those things. Okay, if we don't see anything in there. Is life that good in those locations? Like it does sort of seem like and obviously, you know, there was this was a, a, a complaint that a lot of people had in the later seasons of Game of Thrones where like earlier in the show you wow. would spend an entire season with a couple of characters trying to travel from one right. place to another just to show like how vast the distances are and how long it takes you to travel from one place to another. And then in the well, they later they kinda had to set it up there because that's more of a mythical world, whereas like people right, understand right. the U.S. Yeah, like, like yeah. you could travel on a highway in yeah. twelve hours and make. But it what pretty I far. what I was saying is like later in Game of Thrones, they were then kind of like, oh, we're gonna go from Winterfell to King's Landing, and it's just kind of like cut scene, and they're there. Right. 
So everyone was like, wait, you know, we used to spend like a whole fucking season getting from Winterfell to King's Landing. Now they're just there. That part of it, I've never really been that obsessed with, you know, like I think you're kind of like nitpicking a little bit at that point. But you also have I to- think they really did do a pretty good job. And I this is something that I gathered. I listened to the official companion podcast just because I'm a fucking nerd and it was really interesting. Nerd. But they did talk about they're like, we had a whole map set out and, and, and strategized their entire path from Boston to where did they actually end up? Where's the hospital at the end of the show? Well, so uh, I think in Utah because that looked like Salt Lake oh, City is with, with the, it is Utah. the mountains yeah. in the background. But, but what I'm saying with that is Game of Thrones is different, right? Yeah, there's a lot of shit that could go on, but if you're, you know, if, when, when Ned Stark and the King go from Winterfell down to the Red Keep, no one's going to fuck with them. Right, it's the king and Ned Stark. Like well, no one's like, gonna fuck with them. It's not entertaining There's, TV to just watch them trotting along. Right, horses but then for like you, you go to the Last of Us and it's a fucking zombie show, and you're telling me you went three quarters of the way across the country, and the only place that you stopped where anything fun happened was in Kansas City. So it's one of those like, yeah, I don't need to know, but it's one of those if you're trying to reach, they could have reached and been like the end of season one was when they got to Kansas City. Yeah. The end of season yeah, two yeah. was when they I see what the saying. hospital. Like there could have been so much shit that happened between Boston and Kansas City. There's so that is a, much in there. That is a good point. It seems like there were giant swaths of land that they crossed where they never ran into like any clickers, basically. Or any or people, people, really. Right. So it's one of those like It's like wouldn't this- you think that even if all of the people had been killed, there would be clickers all over the place? And I mean I guess Maybe they have all kind of died, for lack of a better word, where they just you know right, the, fell the, down somewhere, laid dormant, and then it the kind of exploded. Because right. they do show that a couple times, where like an infected body, the cordyceps has just kind of like grown out of them everywhere and all up the wall and, and along the ground, and then it and just and kind of dries up and it dies basically. So that is a thing, and I guess maybe we're led to believe that that's what happened to the clickers that were just wandering around in the middle of nowhere and never came across anyone else to infect. I guess I can go with you on that, but it's like, it does seem like they would have run into more. And maybe this is one of those things where it's like, maybe there's a lot more clickers you face in the game. Cause it's more exciting to, right. have to fight off clickers all the time. That's what you get when you're talking about like a video game adaption to a TV right. show. You can only fit so much into a show. Exactly. To, yeah. Hey, we want you guys to play the game for 75 hours to right. completion and be entertained. And they you know, can't put 75 hours into a show. Cause yeah. game of Thrones isn't even 75 hours long. Yeah. And it's like, they had to fit 14 books. Can we uh, can we talk about the end of the episode right as they're leaving Kansas City and there's that whole storyline of the the leader of that resistance who had basically led – she had oh, led the them to, to overthrow Fedra. And she basically – there's the tease earlier in the episode where her bearded kind of right-hand man military guy takes her down into the basement of one of these buildings and he's like – we have a problem here. And like the ground is like almost like pulsating. It keeps like rocking. It's like there's something like alive down right. there and moving around and causing the ground and the concrete to shift. And he's like, this is not good. Like we forced all, Fedra forced all the clickers underground and now it looks like they're bubbling back up. So right. like we need to do something about this. And she's like, no, we're not dealing with that she's right like, now. We got to go, go find this guy first. Yeah. And, every- and so then you have, by the way, what was the name of the of the guy and his younger brother, Sam was the younger brother. Sam I think. was the younger brother. Um, I totally spaced on his character name because I want to give him his credit because that was that was that was a really good episode. Let's see, and a devastating ending to an episode as well. 
Henry, Henry and Sam. Henry and Sam. Yeah. So this, this Henry was the one they were hunting for, which yeah, is the older one. Yeah. Because basically, she had like sold out a bunch of their friends and her brother to Fedra in order to survive. And it's one of those things where it's like, I think that was a really compelling narrative and storyline because it's like, look, if you're Henry, he's not a fighter, he's not a soldier. He's out. He's trying to take care of he's his younger to take brother. Care of his younger. The only way brother. he knows how to do that is to get supplies and help from Fedra, and the only way he can do that is to sell people right. out. So it's like you know you can kind of understand both ways, but then if you look at it from that lady's perspective, you're like, fuck you, man. You're a rat. Fedra is evil. They've been raping and torturing and killing people for twenty years. How dare you turn us over to them? I get it. There's there's compelling arguments on both sides. Um, but the end of that episode where they reach that cul-de-sac is fucking crazy. Bro. So you have the whole thing where like basically they're walking down. You know, Henry's all stoked. He's like, see, I told you all the clickers are underground. We can just walk out of here. It's going to be fine. And then they're basically getting like shot at by like a sniper right. who's kind of perched up in a nest in a house at the end of the street. And so then Joel has to make this kind of like daring you know, like run behind the house, sneak up in the house to take out the sniper. And then by the time he does that, he finds out that the sniper guy has like basically radioed into homegirl and her, all her voices. I don't know what her name is or her character's name is, but they show up and they're basically like, Oh, this is our opportunity to kill Henry. And it's looking like she's going to kill Henry and um, Ellie and Sam mercilessly while Joel's just stuck not knowing well, he, what he to do. He was sniping people, but then he ran out of ammo. Yeah, and right before she's basically about to kill all of them, this truck who had kind of like run into one of the houses, basically like the ground kind of falls out from right. under it it's and like it a falls hole. down. And then all of a sudden, like hundreds of clickers start pouring out and they're running fast. And it's like this fucking terrifying moment. All these like badass military dudes are like trying to Just shoot all these clickers. Unloading on them. And then this gigantic big fat one that they call a bloaters, I guess, in the game comes out and it's like this you know, it's, it's like, like the three, Hulk. Yeah, it's like the Hulk for clickers. It's like three times as wide as any of the other clickers. It's got like the cordyceps is kind of almost caused like armor plating all along because they're shooting right. at it and it's not doing anything. And he basically is just like walking around like crushing people and ripping them in half. He's got like super strength and shit. Really fucking crazy. And he ends up uh, the her right hand man, the bearded dude, is like, "Get out of here! I'll try and save you." And then that big bloater guy basically just rips his fucking head off. Yep. Craziness. Dude, it was great. And then, uh, you know, Ellie has that really frantic few minutes where she tries to hide Dude, the in little the truck girl. and the little girl who's infected comes pouring in the back seat and is doing all these, like, really sketchy, like, acrobatics where she's, like, flipping her legs over her head yeah. and crawling towards Ellie. And Joel's just frantically trying to snipe clickers behind Ellie the whole time. It's craziness. And then at the very end of that thing, um, the homegirl, the leader of the Fireflies in Kansas City, gets like brutally attacked by one of those clickers, and they're able to escape with Henry and Sam. But you end up finding out Sam got bit, right? But and that's he's, where he's deaf. Yeah, and that's where you lead to one of the most devastating endings to one of those Bro. episodes, where Ellie's basically, you know, he opens up to Ellie. They kind of have this connection. They're these, you know, they're the only Young two kids. like kids around, basically in this post-apocalyptic world. And he he opens up and like shows her that he got bit and she's like doesn't know what to do. She knows she's immune, so she kinda like cuts herself and tries to rub the blood right. in the wound to try and like, you know, save him. She doesn't know how it works, yada yada. And then she's like, I'll stay up with you because he's scared, obviously. They fall asleep. She wakes up, 
goes over there to Dude, touch him when and he's, he's full clicker. He's when he's sitting on his, the bed, because he was just sitting on like the edge of the bed Facing with his back the to her, way. you're yeah. kind of like, oh, maybe her blood like worked and yeah. then she touched him and he like and does he's a screech. immediately comes after her. Yeah. And she like goes running out and they're in a wrestling match and then Joel shoots him and kills him. Well, or well, Joel. Joel goes for the gun. Right. Henry gets the gun before Joel and is basically like, don't come any closer or I'll shoot you. And then Henry or uh, Sam, I think, like makes a move towards Henry, and he just instinctively shoots him, right? In, like in the head. and then doesn't realize what he did until afterwards, and just realizes he shot his younger and killed his younger brother, who has been but, his entire was, world for forever, right? Doesn't but it doesn't know, matter. Like, doesn't know how to move on from that, and then shoots himself. And it's just this fucking devastating, you know, like poor Joel and Ellie have this. These two brothers that they've connected with, they've survived these harrowing experiences. These two guys have agreed to come with them. Like they now have like kind of friends and a little band of a little group of people they can try and survive this world with. And then devastation strikes. Just a really devastating end to an episode. Um, fuck, man, the show's crazy. And then yeah. you want to talk about some of the later episodes and kind of like how it finished up? Well, so. I- Anything else that we I missed mean, as there's we've been some, going along? There's some crazy dark shit that goes on. I mean, it's, like Henry killing his brother and then killing himself because he felt so guilty that yeah. he, he he believed his purpose no longer existed. But then there's like an episode where... So when Ellie and Joel get to the... It's Colorado State Hospital or whatever yeah, yeah. in Greeley, or I think is where yeah. they had it. Um, That's where Ellie was supposed to be dropped off. Yeah. And they realize it's completely empty. No mm-hmm. one's there. Yeah. And as they're leaving, there's raiders or pirates, whatever you want to yeah. call them. And Joel gets stabbed in the side, like the lower gut area with the pike. But then he kills the guy that stabbed him. Mm-hmm. And him and Ellie get on their horse and run away. And, and that episode ends with Joel falling off the horse and basically like right. bleeding out in the process of dying. In the middle of nowhere on yeah. railroad tracks. In the middle of nowhere. And then the next episode starts with them in like a suburban, mm-hmm. or not a suburban, but like a little neighborhood in the basement of some house. It's the middle of winter. There's snow right. everywhere. It's freezing. And Ellie goes out to get food because he's, he's what is like septic shock. Yeah. And so she needs to get him insulin and medicine to try and heal him. But so she goes out to get food for him, though, and try and find things. She ends up killing a deer, and then she comes across this priest mm-hmm. and um, one of his followers. He's the leader, and this is kind of like another thing is there's always some crazy cult out there's there. There's always that, a crazy cult leader. And always. he seems like a nice guy, yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. He more or less tricks her. Then they take her captive – or, well, they take her deer – and then they take her captive, and then she gets out. Like, she escaped their little captivity thing that they had out in the woods still. She goes back to Joel, tries to help with the medicine. Gives him penicillin or right, whatever it is. Gets yeah. him better, quote-unquote. But then they have, like, a search party out. They end up shooting their horse. Ellie goes flying off, hits her head, goes unconscious. Then they take her, but Joel ends up just killing like everybody else that was yeah. out there. Yeah. And then Joel goes into this town to find them, or you find out that this group has been feeding people to yeah. them, themselves. Like that's they don't have food. So yeah. anyone this, that dies there is being butchered and like hung up. Mm-hmm. Joel walks across like three dead bodies hanging in a yeah. 
a locked room. Yeah, so basically this this priest guy is he's taking it upon his responsibility to take care of this group of people, but the problem is they're starving. There's no food. Right. They can't find any game. They can't grow anything. It's it's the middle of winter, the ground's frozen. So, yeah, they've been feeding human meat to their group and claiming that it's venison so, or but, whatever. And then you find out the guy that Joel killed was actually the dad of a girl and husband mm-hmm. to a wife there. Yep. And she goes, can we at least bury him or you know hold his funeral? Yeah, and he yeah, goes, yeah. no, it's too cold. And then you find out that they're eating him. No, yeah, knowing full well they're going to use that guy's body and for meat. Then they yeah. show the wife in the kitchen, like, and the guy brings in a bunch of red meat, and he goes, don't worry, it's venison. Yeah. And it's like, bullshit, that's fucking human. Yeah, because she psychos. asked him, she's like, what is this? And he's like, it's venison. Right. And they're just kind of like, okay, everyone's too fucking hungry to care. So, you know? so you go across that whole thing, and then Ellie's such a psycho. Like, dude. Her character is like perfect, and she Bella plays she it. She plays perf- it like those perfectly. two yeah. together. Make the casting the show was incredible. so perfect. Yeah, but she's a psycho. Like you got to watch it because her character is like it's fun. She's funny. She's edgy, but then she's like this psycho she can go crazy like dark. Yeah, and she so, ends up biting his finger off. Yeah, so basically he's got her in a cage at this point, right? And he's like he starts opening up to her and you start realizing what his fascination is with her. And he's trying to tell her, I want you as like my right hand person. You're smart. You're smarter than all these other people. You can help me lead this group. Yada, yada, yada. She finds out just through power of deductive reasoning that like you're fucking cannibals. You're feeding people. Well, She found, she saw the ear. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. she like, she's like trying to figure out how she can break out of this cell yeah. they have her in. And she sees an ear on the floor underneath like this butcher table basically yeah and and so she's basically like you're full of shit man and then he basically it becomes readily apparent that he basically just wants to like have her as his child bride essentially he's he's it's his infatuation with her goes beyond just wanting someone else to lead the group he's like i want to make you my cult wife basically and so then you know, she kind of like lulls him into this sense of complacency, like she's going to go along with his plan. Tries biting his hand, trying to get the keys from him. He like fucks her up a little bit. Then he comes back with this other dude, and they're ripping her out of the cell, and they're basically going to throw her down on this butcher table and kill her and just cut her up for meat, basically. But then she does her, wait, 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 yeah. wait. My, she, I'm an innocent little girl. And she, well, and she very smartly goes, I'm infected, and I just right. bit you. And it makes him pause. And that gives her a chance to kind of like, you know, get out of there. And well, she takes a butcher knife and yeah. buries it in the yeah. throat of the other guy. So kills the one dude and she's locked in this like basically this cabin thing with this crazy cult leader guy who wants to basically like rape her and kill her. She throws like a something she got from the fire is like a hot piece of wood that was kind of right. like on fire or something. Throws it in the corner. It kind of lights the whole thing on fire. It lights like so a they're having this. Fire, yeah. yeah. So they're having this like showdown this cat and mouse game meanwhile the cabin's burning down all around them and then he basically throws her down on the ground and is trying to rape her she ends up kind of getting the upper hand and taking like i don't know what it is like a hatchet or a shovel or something and burying it in his face like 27 times and she's like covered in blood She's screaming. She just keeps She's going. In a building on fire. Yeah. And she eventually comes stumbling outside, and that's when Joel shows up. Yeah. And that, this is after he's killed like four of their guys <laughs> right. trying to get to her. And he's like, I got you. I'm here for you. And then that kind of leads into the last episode where, like, the beginning of it, you know, he's finally reached this point. You know, at the beginning of their journey, 
he's he was like Mister. I'm he's the strong silent type. He doesn't ever say anything. He's like, I don't want to be here. You're just cargo. You're just a job to me. Yada right. yada yada. And then now he's like fully attached to her. This is basically his new Sarah. Right. But she's now taken on that you know role of like I'm not talking a lot. She's not cracking jokes anymore. She's not pulling jokes out of her pun book. All this kind of stuff. And he's like, he knows that she's gone through this horribly traumatic event that no 15-year-old girl and, should but, ever have to go and, through. And she's also going through, you know, she was an orphan. Right. And, and we find out how her mom died and every, mm-hmm. like, the whole crazy thing yeah. of how she was infected. And so you're understanding that she's attached to Joel because he's been protecting and caring mm-hmm. for her this whole story time that we're, we're, we're learning about. So she's grown attached to him as like a protector, like a father figure yeah. in her life. So she looks at him like that. So their bond is becoming a father daughter type bond. 100%, yeah. And, and you, you see that in the last episode. Yeah. So is there anything you want to touch on before we get to the last Bro, episode and what happens? Cause the, I, I have a lot to talk about with that. That I think last it's episode. A great, it's a great ending. Was one of the best and most absolute, like perfect, like, badass like movie or show moments where it's just like so determined to not let something bad happen that just yeah full fucking rambo mode goes on full, full john wick was, mode so and this is one thing right before we we talk about this i want to mention one moment so by the way shout out to pedro pascal for just being fucking awesome guy was in narcos he was in game of thrones He's in. He's the Mandalorian. If he's only in we the got Last him. Us. If only we got more of him in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, his character's so great in Game of Thrones. But yeah, it meets an untimely end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to Pedro Pascal. Fucking love this guy. Pretty much anything he's in is awesome. He's got great taste. Um, there's this moment, and we didn't talk a lot about Tess, but I think it's like the second episode. Tess is still with them. It's mm-hmm. basically going to be Tess and Joel taking Ellie to this other. Firefly checkpoint, and then they're just going to take it from there. That's right. kind of what the original like all, deal is. All a trade for a, a truck battery because Tess exactly. and yeah. Joel want to go. They to just want Wyoming and find. His they brother. just want to go to Wyoming, find Tommy. That's all they're looking for. Well, obviously, you know, if you've seen the show, things don't go well for them. Tess, you, they end up in this point where Tess is bit and infected. There are infected heading to their location. Lots of them. And Joel and Ellie need to get the fuck out of there. And Tess is like, "You need to go. I'm. I. It's Dude. over for me. I'll. I'll take out as many of them as I can. But you two need to go now." And there's this incredible acting moment from Pedro Pascal in that moment as Joel, where he goes from you know we got we got to see in the first episode in the beginning of the second episode this relationship between him and Tess, which is like kind of like an employer-employee relationship a little bit, but also like she definitely has strong feelings for him. He kind of has feelings for her. It could turn into something. Maybe they've done it. Maybe they haven't kind of thing. I think they were for sure in a relationship. Yeah, and she, in this moment where she's like, you need to go. I'm dead. You need to go. Take Ellie and get out of here. There's this moment you can see in his eyes where he goes, there's this switch that is flipped from like, I love you, I care for you, I don't want to see you die, to she's like, Joel, you need to go. And his eyes just go dead, and he just gra- He doesn't say anything, doesn't kiss her, doesn't hug her, grabs Ellie and just gets the fuck out of there. Right, he realizes it's this, the- it's this amazing moment where he just clicked, and you can see the facial expression changes, his eyes just go dead, and he's just like, it's game time. And I got to get the fuck out of here. That's when the nastiest part of the entire show happens. Oh, because my God. she. 
She willingly Ugh. so she, so they pour a bunch of gasoline. There's a bunch right. of explosives, yeah. gas There's like barrels, grenades laying around everywhere. In this, yeah. so the goal is to just kind of bomb all of them. Right, and that'll buy them a bunch. Gather of time. them all up, bomb them. Yeah, and so she's like up against a pillar in what I believe is either the courthouse or like the Capitol building. Yeah, some sort of government building. And all the infected are like running in there and one of them just like opens his mouth with like the, whatever it's called. Those little tendrils, And it's like, you can see it come out. Uh, And she like willingly just opens her mouth and allow, like... He basically it's, it's just like a kisses makeout. her. Yeah, it's like a yeah. makeout scene. But he's like the tendrils are going down her mouth, right? Like in like going to spread through her body. Like, and she's got this lighter in and her she, hand that right. she's flicking and, and she trying to get. She yeah. couldn't get it to light, so she has to endure all of this until oh. she finally gets the to light and then just blows this building up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. Oh my that god, that was the I'm worst. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, dude, I'm, oh, just I'm kill." Like, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is one of the biggest like ick moments I've ever seen. I was like, I was like oh, "All you need is like, like a spark or something like, yeah. to light the." And I'm like, "Just pull the pin on a grenade." I would yeah, much rather pull the pin on a grenade and just sit there for a couple seconds. Yeah. Close my eyes and yeah. blow up than have that oh thing my like god, stick. That was oh. horrendous. But I saw that and I was like, "There's so much other shit you could have done there." But shout out to Tess. I mean, she's yeah. the real one. She bought them some time. She took out a bunch of zombies. Um, but then but I, I say that to kind of tie back into what happens with Joel in the last episode, which is what you were just hinting at, which is, okay, so they finally made it to, I don't know where they're at, Salt Lake Salt City? Lake City. They're somewhere? in Salt Lake yeah. City now. Okay. I had forgotten about it, but you mentioned Utah, and I was like, yeah, that's right. So they make it. He's like, look, I don't know. He kind of has this moment with Ellie where he's like, I don't know where this hospital is. She's like, we'll find it. Don't worry. And he's like, yeah, but like, yeah, we don't. there's giraffes out in the, yeah, in the soccer yeah. field or wherever. And he's like, look, we don't have to do this. Because he's, he's worried that like whatever's awaiting them is not. He even says, he's like, look, there might not be anything bad out there, but so far there's always been something bad right. out there. So like, we, we don't have just, to do this. We could just go back to Tommy's. Right. You don't have to do well, this. Well, let's touch on Tommy real quick. Because, right, right, right. So we can give a little. So Tommy is in Wyoming. Uh-huh. He, he's not a part of the Fireflies anymore, but they have a sustainable community going mm-hmm. on. Where they have power, they have water, they yeah. have jobs, they have food, mm-hmm. they have like everybody is it, they got it's a true community. They got livestock. They got right. like a fully functional bar with the lights on, and it's, everything's right. clean, and it's like a so, pretty dope setup. They, they ha- it's you know I, the way I when when they show it. So we'll jump ahead real quick, but when they show it at the very end of episode nine, when they're up on the rocks and they're like, "Well, there it is." Yeah, and it kind of looks like Game of Thrones when. Um, Jon Snow, you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> I, I, I just saw this episode too. So. <laughs> but when he goes and sees the whole wildling camp, and they're kind of in this val- mountain valley, oh, and yeah, you can kind of yeah. tell like they have a perimeter and everything. You look, and they have a wall around this entire community, but it's like yep. a full community. It's not stacked on top like there's houses. You people have yep. their own houses. You have yep. businesses. Like it's true. It's like it's an actual like living space yeah it's like a commune basically so yeah. so they go there and they visit tommy and then you know that was like episode five or six that right, they, they right. visit and then a bunch of shit happened like the priest and all that shit happens yeah yeah so they can either go to be with tommy or they can can proceed can on proceed their on their path, journey yeah. is what zach's saying so i yeah, just want to no, say that's good context, option yeah. for tommy is go live life and just It'd be a great yeah you know joel might be able to find a girl a, settle yeah. down you know raise her as his daughter and right. she could find someone and they just yeah. grow old and yeah happily ever after right or they go to the fireflies in utah right yeah so he has this moment where he's like look you don't have to do this we could just go back to tommy's we can just live there and she's basically like, no, we've come this far after everything that we've gone through, after everything that I've done, everything you've done, we need to see this through. And he's like, okay. 
So they go. They're kind of coming in there. He he opens up about where he got the scar on the side of his face where earlier in the show she was asking, like, what happened there? And he's like, someone shot at me and missed. And she was, you know, he would never Because he was really very give. close to her because right. he didn't like her. He blamed her for Tess's yeah. death. And didn't really want to tell her a lot. Didn't really want to open up. So he finally, when, they, when they're here in Salt Lake City, he tells her the story about where he got the scar. And the guy who shot at him and missed was himself. He's right. like, I tried killing myself after Sarah died. He was in a little camp, kind of like the one they were in, the ruins of one where like Fedra had set up something to kind of treat wounded people and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, they patched me back up and yada, yada, yada. And she's kind of like, you know, oh, so are you going to tell me time heals all wounds or whatever? And he's like, no, it wasn't time. And he just kind of looks at her. Basically, the unsaid is like, you saved me. Like, you, right. you brought me back. I, I had no wanted, purpose. I had no I purpose, had purpose yeah. to leave Boston. Exactly. So they're having this touching moment. They start, he's kind of getting her to come back out of her shell a little bit after this traumatic events of the prior episode. They're walking along. She's telling jokes from her pun book, and they get like ambushed by these guys who like throw smoke grenades, flashbangs, and all this shit and swoop in there and knock them out. And so, next thing you know, Joel wakes up. He's in a hospital. Granted, it's an abandoned hospital, but like they got there's, there's power, there's, there's power, and there's fireflies in here. And he comes across is it Marlene? I think Marlene, is her name. Yep. Who we might add was friends with Ellie's mom. Well, let's let's jump back to our conversation about starting point or like starts of the episode. Yeah, episode yeah. nine had one of the craziest starts ever because yes. it starts. Or, well, you, you end episode eight, and then the way episode nine started was a pregnant lady mm-hmm. who looked exactly like Ellie. Looks a lot like, like Ellie. Exactly. I'm like, wait, is Ellie pregnant? Yeah. Like, how far did we just... Did I miss a right. thing yeah, in the bottom like, is this where a time it's jump? like we what jumped? Is, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she comes running back to a house, end of the, you know, quick little snippet. She ends up getting bit. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, literally um, and, about and to give she's birth. She's about to give she's like, about like, to birth. She's in labor yeah. when yeah. she gets bit. Yeah. And then Marlene and like two other fireflies come in there because they were, I think they all lived there. Yeah. And she's like, I'm bit, you know, I cut the umbilical cord before I was bit. Right. All sorts of shit. That baby turns out to be Ellie because, right. and that's how you we find out. She's she, immune. She's yeah. immune is yeah. because it was actually, that's when she got infected. Right. But like, then you find out the story of Marlene, Ellie and, and her mom. But yeah. another like opening to great, a show where you're like great what the opening. fuck just happened um, dude and i'm glad you brought up how much that actress looks like ellie here's one crazy thing i learned from listening to the the podcast that actress voiced ellie in the game dude they look identical. Well, they that, literally look but, the same but then like, again both um oh why pedro and yeah uh bella literally look like the characters they in look the video exactly game. Like, like the characters they, they play yeah it well, just like, it, couldn't have been perfect that was I, I, I don't understand how it ended up that perfect where the actress who literally voiced Ellie in the game Look looks like, like a, an adult Bella Ramsey. I'm like, this is blowing. Like, that lady could literally be Bella Ramsey's mom. Right. They look fucking exactly alike. It's nuts. Because, like, and I'm like, all they would have to do is throw, like, a little bit of makeup on the age, you know, yeah. a fat yeah. suit or, or, like, the pregnant suit and yeah. all that. And then it, it was, was just like, I was like, what the perfect. fuck? Like, Ellie's pregnant? Right, right. You literally are thinking that whole time, like, oh, my God, is this, did we jump ahead? Is this right. Ellie? So yeah, anyway, that's kind of the whole opening to the last episode. And then Marlene, who was best friends with Ellie's mom, is who we we get to meet at the beginning of the in show in, in the first episode. Yeah. And she's the one who kind of sends Joel and Tess off on this whole adventure. She's like basically 
you know, Joel wakes up and he's like, immediately, where's Ellie? And she's like, she's okay, she's alive, but she we're prepping her for surgery. And right. he's like, what do you mean surgery? He's like asking questions, and they're basically like, he basically comes to find out based on what Marlene is saying. We're gonna t- we have a doctor here who knows how to extract the whatever's in her brain. The, well, the, it's the fungus that's in her brain, right? Wh- whatever's in her that makes her immune to try and save everyone. But and then and then Joel kind of goes, well, but cordyceps lives in your brain, and she's kind of like, yeah, we're gonna have to basically kill Ellie to get it out. And he's like not okay with this, obviously, right? After going through, and Marlene is surprised by this because, like, when she last saw these two, Joel was like, "Fine, I'll do this, but all I need is a truck battery. I don't. Right. This, this girl doesn't. Mean I just want to find my brother. Yeah. Like, fuck this girl." So she's kind of like taken aback by like, well, he really seems to care for this girl beyond what I was expecting. So basically, she's like tells these two fireflies, "You got to get him out of here." And these they're all heavily armed. They're all heavily armed, like military guys, basically. And so Joel's basically like fuck, what do I do here? I don't want to let... You can already see the wheels turning in his head. He's like, I can't let them kill Ellie for this. I just right. can't. And he, they're like walking him down the stairs or whatever, and he takes a moment, like one brief moment, takes advantage of it and fucking takes out these two guys in the stairwell. And then same thing what I was talking about earlier when Tess told him to leave, goes dead-eyed, and it's like John Wick mode. Yeah. And he just gets a couple of guns and starts methodically well, dude, going through the hospital and just murdering every single firefly he encounters they, in this hospital. And, and they do it so well in the show because it's not like these are mad. Like, there's some gunfights that go down, but it's one of those, like, he was so determined. that he, And I think he had military experience. Him and Tommy both had military experience before the whole, like, everything hit the fan. And he's also got experience fan. killing people. Right. He's for sure killed people before. Oh, yeah. And, um... So like that happens, he runs out of ammo, but then he picks up the gun from the next guy, and then you like it's like, but all you see is him put the gun down, pick another gun up, and then like step over the dead body. Yeah, and then you just hear more shots, and then another gun goes down. He picks up another gun, steps over a dead body, and then you get to the point where it doesn't seem like there's any more fireflies around, and he gets into the to the operating room. Yeah, and he opens the door, and the doctor's like. Freaking out, telling him, you know, the doctor's like, I'm not going to let you take her. Right. He and just he just taps him. He, bef- he doesn't say a word without even blinking. Without, yeah, yeah he just shoots him in the head. Yeah. And the nurses are like, okay, like, fuck, like, we yeah. can't. And so he's like, un- unhook her. They're like, unhooking yeah. her and stuff. I can't remember. Does he kill the nurses? No, he lets them go. He lets them Those go. Those are okay. the only two who don't die at right. Joel's hand, basically. So then he picks her up and goes walking out. And then, um, Marlene, they come, they come across Marlene in the basement, basically, in, in, in the, the parking, parking garage. garage. Yeah. And, it's one of those things you're like, she, you know, she's pointing a gun at him and he's and she's holding wounded. her. And she, she, no, she's not wounded yet. She's, I, I think she's, she had already been shot or something. She mm-hmm. was like had a gut wound or something. I think at this point, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Because okay. I don't remember where he would have encountered her in the maybe not maybe in the not. hospital. I mean, maybe well, I'll have to go watch. Anyway, it back. Let's she, get instant she can, replay. <laughs> anyway, she confronts him. Right, right. She confronts him down yeah. in the in the parking garage and. You know, he's got Ellie in his hands, and you're not thinking, like, you're thinking, you know, she's going to kill him, and he's like, I, kill, I killed the only doctor that could help you, right. so there's no point in killing me because... Well, and she's like, she's trying to give him the whole spiel of, like, look, it's not too late, you fucked up, but, like, we can still save this. Right. We can find another doctor. There, I know other fireflies we can take her to, and Joel's... But he's like, it's too late. I've right. already made the decision. You're not having her. 
And he basically, maybe that's how she gets the gut wound. He shoots her in the stomach. Right. And because, then like because puts he had Ellie, his, yeah. He had his gun under, he was, you know, she was, had her legs over, I think it was his right arm. Yeah. And like her upper body was on his left arm and she's in a, you know, He's got a like hospital the gun gown underneath her. And he yeah. shoots her and then goes and puts Ellie in the truck and goes back and, um, Marlene was like, no, no. And then he shoots her in the head. Yeah. He's like, he's basically like, cause she's like, you don't have to kill me. And he's like, you'll just, if I leave you alive, you're, you're just going to come after right. her. And he just kills her. And so then you cut to like, they're driving away. They got some operable car. They're driving away. Ellie wakes up in the back. You know, she was out for this whole thing. Right. It was the whole anesthetic. She was put out by anesthesia for this surgery. She wakes up. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. You're with me. Yada, yada. And he basically then spins this yarn about, oh, these like, these, these the Raiders came. Raiders came. I barely got you out of there. Everyone got killed. There was gunfights, all this kind of stuff. I barely got you out of there, all this kind of stuff. And she's like, is Marlene okay? And he goes, yeah. no, He's she like, was killed. Yeah, no, there. she didn't make it. He goes, it's okay. They, There's other doctors and there's other kids like you, turns out, that are immune. And they're, they're just going to run experiments on them or whatever. Knowing full well this whole time he's bald-faced lying to her. And she kind of picks and up on it. she can sense it. Like At this point, they're close enough where she's like, eh, something doesn't sound right about this whole story you're telling me. And so he's basically like, look, you know, it's fine now. You don't have to worry about it. We'll go back to Tommy's. We'll just live our life. He's stoked, right? Like right. he's like, I, I don't have to lose her. I can go back, just live with Tommy, raise her. We can live happily ever after, yada, yada, yada. And they have this moment on the hill before they're about to head down. Right, when they're looking down in it. Yeah, and she's basically like, swear to me that you're telling me the truth about what happened back there. And he's like, I swear. And you can tell she's kind of like. She's like, I'll buy it. but I, I don't really believe you, but. You've done enough for me, and I love you enough that I'll go with you for now. Dot, well, dot, dot. But it's one of those things, right? So after that, because that's how it ends, I sit there and I go, if he tells the truth, though, and he goes, they were going to kill you to try. No guarantee that they right, would come up right. with a vaccine for people, but they were going to kill you to try and come up with a vaccine to make people immune. Mm-hmm. And... So he goes, I killed all of them because they were going to kill you. Yeah. So I killed them to save you because I wanted you to stay alive. Yeah. She probably would have, there might be a little resentment, like, well, why, why'd you do that? You know, yeah. we, we could have helped everybody. Or like, yeah, I wanted to my sacrifice life. myself, whatever. Yeah. Or she goes, yeah, fuck the fireflies, you know? <laughs> right, and then you're like, right. okay, this is the fucking Ellie well, that we were expecting. And that's kind of the conversation he has with Marlene where Joel's like, she never knew she would have to die for this. She was right. willing to donate willing to blood help. and all this kind of stuff to help to try and figure out a cure, but she, you guys didn't tell her she was going to die, so it has to be her choice. Right. Whereas Marlene's like, no, the only choice here is the good of the many over the good of this one person. Like, look look around you. The world's fucked. We need a cure. So all you got to do then is try and... you. You know, you get a pregnant lady who's about to give birth. You have her get bit. <laughs> you know, pop the baby right. out. Try and cut replicate the, umbilical the whole cord thing. And try and replicate it. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to mention this too, and this is something again that I got from the official companion podcast that they were talking about. Is Neil Druckmann, the creator of the video games, was saying, you know, like I don't know a ton about the whole process of making a video game and putting it out to market, but one of the things that you do is kind of like beta testing it, right? Yeah, Where yeah. there's like this semi-finished version of the game yep. where you get a lot of people to test it just to get an idea of like 
is the story clicking for people? Right. Are they or engaging with it? Change. Yeah. Are there are there moments where people are getting stuck and they don't they're confused as to how to get out of it? Do we need right. to kind of change a couple of things to make that a better playing experience? He was saying that during the kind of beta testing of the first game, when you get to kind of this ending story beat where Joel does this, they basically asked they did like sat everyone down and interviewed them after they finished the game and basically said like do you think what Joel did was right or no? And he was saying, what's very interesting is that all of our beta tester players who were parents, 100% of them said he made the right choice. Amongst people who were not parents, he said it was 50-50. Some people were like, yeah, I agree with him. And other people were like, no, he fucked up. He, he should have been willing to sacrifice Ellie no matter how hard it was for the greater good of mankind. And I think that just goes – I don't know which side of the fence I land on. Obviously, I don't have children. But it's one of those things where that's a really fascinating like thought experiment of what would you do in that situation? Because really the logical and correct thing to do from a just totally disengaged, bird's-eye, you know, unemotional perspective is you let Ellie die mean. to – have a chance to save humanity. That's I think everyone would pretty much agree upon that. But obviously, if you're a parent, if you're a parent who's previously lost a daughter, and now this you've grown attached to this girl, young girl who saved you've your served, life, yeah, you saved her life, exactly. Like, you've, you've both saved each other's life. You've emotional. gone through so much stuff. Well, I don't, I don't blame him at all, and I can, I can absolutely see how he's like, no, I'm not willing to go through this again. Fuck that. Well, well, let's put it this way: the world's already fucked. I don't care. I'm going to save her instead. If I'm being put in that situation, I'm going. One, it's been 20 years since the outbreaks come through. There hasn't been shit done that has remotely been close to helping us cure this thing or figure it out. Two, okay, you know. When people are like, there's a 90% chance of snow, apparently there's like some true... Cal- Bro, just give me 50% chance of snow because it's either going to snow or it's not going to snow. <laughs> so it, there's either going to be snow or there's not going to be snow. There's not... Eh, there's a 10% chance nothing happens. It's like, is it going to snow or not snow? Apparently there's better you know, metrics behind that shit. <laughs> but, but I'm saying there's a chance that it works. And there's a chance it right. doesn't work. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So then you you kind of groomed her and did all this shit. You know, she did all this shit for you. So then you're just like, oh, yeah. You know, in 20 years, we've never made progress. Now, right. all of a sudden, some girl comes along whose mom was bit and she's immune. We think we're going to make all sorts of progress. Yeah. And it's like you bring a good point up. If you're Ellie and they told you this information going in, I mean, are you willing to sacrifice your life on an if? Like, well, we no. might be able to save everyone. That, that comes down to Also, like, you might just die for no reason. So, <laughs> Right. So it's like, why wouldn't you have worked on infected before to see if you could stop the spread of it yeah. in, in the infected person? Because Ellie's body stopped the spread of it, but you didn't run any tests or anything to figure out why. You're just mm-hmm. immediately going to go into surgery. Right. So if it was me, I would have been like, no, fuck that. You're not killing her. Like, I would have done the same thing. No matter what, if I had kids or not, like it's one of those things that goes, it's been 20 years. We haven't found shit or done shit yeah. anyways. Like, well, and also, I can easily arrive at the conclusion. If you were to tell me like, look, everything's fucked. There's no hope anyway. 
I'm going to make sure I get as much happiness out of my life for the right. next however many years. The rest of the world be damned. I can easily get with you on that. It's like, oh, look, yeah. I mean, look around. It's it's over. The world's fucked. I mean, you also it come might to come point, back at some point, but that's not on me. Like, like if it was a person where he like couldn't stand, like absolutely hated him, right? It was like the priest, right? Right. He would be like, do all the yeah. fucking trying to make him, a vaccine, yeah. you know, whatever. But this is a fourteen-year-old girl or whatever, like mm-hmm. that. I've come to you know love in the sense of like my daughter. Right. And, and it's also someone who has their entire life ahead of them too. Right. And it's one of those things like like in my the way I would think about it I'm like, "Nah, we haven't made progress in 20 years." She wasn't Who's even, who's to say this is going to be any right. different? Yeah. Like you could kill her and the doctor's like, nah, "I totally fucked that up." And everyone's like, right. "Well, she was our only hope and yeah. now you fucked that up and now she's dead." Right. So now what are we going to do? Yeah. So now what do we do? Our only hope that we thought is dead. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, we tried. It's like, well, if we didn't try, we'd be in the same fucking predicament, but she would still yeah. be alive. Yeah. I, I can easily see the arguments from both sides. That's why I think it, it makes it such a... I don't know where I thought the, I, the, I, the I, last I, episode I, was going to go, but I, I really actually enjoyed it. It see, was a crazy roller coaster ride, but I was like, I like that ending. That's a really yeah. good ending. See, I don't see the side where it's okay to like, yeah, operate on her and try and save the world. World's already fucked. Cities were already bombed. Yeah. Thousands, millions, of, hundreds of millions of people were already infected and killed. What society are we saving? Yeah. Well, like, and that's why they were kind of talking about it on the podcast, and they were like, it makes for a very interesting like dinner party type or cocktail party type thought experiment of like, given this scenario, what's the right decision? Well, because there's a perfectly rational argument on both sides. Right. It's not like there's one answer and it's like, oh yeah, 99% of people are going to say do this. But let's also think deeper into it, right? It's been 20 years since we bombed all this shit. Apparently gas is hard to find. Car batteries are very hard, very hard to find. So you find a cure and you're in Salt Lake city, Utah. How the fuck are you going to spread this shit around the world? Right. Well, and even Marlene admits she had a whole team of heavily armed guys trying to get her there, and they barely survived. Right. So it's like so, you're going to take, what, a few vials of blood or brain tissue or whatever the fuck right. it is that you need. And then you have to develop just a vaccine go, somewhere. Right, right, yeah. Like you need to go find some sort of a medical facility with other people who know what they're doing to right. try and replicate it and make more of it so, so and like, then get it to people. If, if you want to make it that thought process, you kind of have to sit down and not be like, well, There's a long yeah, road to you gotta go success. The there. logistics of this – if you succeed, don't exist. We didn't even have a car from Boston to Salt Lake City. Yeah. We had a car. It's not like the CDC's up and running and we can just ship this to them real quick. Right. We, or right. we had a car till Kansas City. Then we got flat tires and had yeah. to bail. Yeah. Then we got a horse when we got to Wyoming after we wa- or stole another car or whatever. It's like yeah. none of this shit makes sense how you would make a vaccine and spread it around the world. You couldn't even spread it around the country. Yeah. Yeah. And be successful. So. How, like that's where my thought would be like, guys, it's not like our roads work. We don't have yeah, a, a yeah, train yeah. system that works. We can't fly. Like, what is like, your plan for? Let's say this does work. What is your plan for then getting it and to then everyone? They'd be like, we don't know. And I'd be like, well, what is your plan for developing the vaccine? They'd be like, right. we don't know. And I'd be yeah. like, so what <laughs> is your plan if it doesn't work? Well, we just go back to what we were doing yesterday. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, Okay, well then, let's it, not I mean, do it. If you think about things in the best of times, in a functioning society, developing a vaccine takes billions of dollars. 
sometimes years at a time, hundreds if not thousands of really smart doctors working on it. You don't have any of those things right. in this world. <laughs> no doctors or very few. And that's just the development of the vaccine. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't take into account the administering it to people. Testing it, making sure it doesn't fuck up other right. things. So, yeah. so you're telling me you might have to inject somebody that's not infected with an infected type. Kind right. of like uh, World War Z, how they infect them with, with the like virus. With deadly pathogen. Right. That we actually just rewatched them. that the other day. Great movie. I was watching like... Uh, highlights of it yeah. on youtube it's a super entertaining but it's movie. one of those like that's where to me it's like man eh, it would be an easy decision because i would sit there and try and analyze it but like, yeah it'd be great to save the whole fucking world but how are you gonna do that because right, right. it took us six months to get from boston to salt lake city where in a normal you know if we had no, a normal life it would have taken us four Just, hours on an airplane yeah. Or just drive there in a couple of days or whatever. We don't have airplanes. Yeah. We don't have cars. Yeah. Which means there's no trucks. Yeah. To ship this shit everywhere. There's, there's also any number of a thousand different ways we could die between right. here and there. Yeah. Or okay, we have a full shipment of vaccines, and then raiders get it, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then the, trash like, it. Yeah. The trash it, or the truck just sitting on the side of the highway, and no one ever finds it. Like, right. Right. It just is one of those things. Like, it doesn't make logistical sense i get it yeah, you know yeah. we're digging deep into well, the reality and, of and it, i guess but. it really comes down to just in a situation like this you have people who tend to think positively and look for the hope when hope. there is no hope and then you have people who are just like guys it's it's over like why are we realistic like yeah. you gotta be realistic just go find way. a little plot of land somewhere try and grow some food hang out for the next 10, 20 years and die. (laughs) You realize how easy it could be to just, you know, like go up in the mountains somewhere. Cause as we were talking, you know, and this was like me and you were talking about this before our last episode or whatever. And, um, I was like, no animals have been infected. You know, Colorado, we have the largest population of elk, I believe in the world. So if there's a bunch of people die, which means hunters go away. Yeah, that means wolves, coyotes, you know, the predators continue to rise in in their population, but that also probably means that elk, deer, moose, they're all probably, sorts of animals continue to still breed. They're, they're probably and, reproducing out of control, right. you and would it, imagine. And so yeah. you think there's plenty of grass in the mountains for all of these animals to eat. It's not like they're running out of food. Mm-hmm. You know, they can migrate and eat elsewhere. Where are all these animals? You could easily go out, make a log cabin, make a house, and just live a peaceful, like, yeah. off-the-grid type. I mean, you're already off-the-grid in this type of <laughs> there world. There is no but, grid anymore, yeah. But, like, you could easily make a very enjoyable life in the middle of nowhere where you literally have zero chance of running into an infected person. Yeah. The only thing you would have to worry about is raiders and... That's it. There's like, even before the apocalypse, there was one person per 100 square right. miles out there or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, you could go live out there and if a raider comes out, you just kill him. Like, yeah, yeah. You could set boundaries and mm-hmm. all sorts of shit up. Like you Rambo up your house. Right. Yeah. And you're fine. Like, you you know how peaceful that would be? Well, it's kind of like the Indian couple they ran across. Yeah, that's what they were doing. That's what they were, they were yeah. like, uh, nothing's happening around there, us. There was like, nothing was going on out here even before the world ended. Right. Like, this is, we've been doing the same shit. They're like, when did you guys get up here? He's like, oh, 64 years ago. And <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you've just been doing... <laughs> yeah. And he's like, like yeah, we just... We've been normal. doing this forever, man. This is... Dude, his wife is same so Same shit, funny. different day. She, she just was like laughing and was like talking shit the whole yeah, time. Yeah, he's all mad. He's like, so you made them soup? She's like, yeah. 
They were hungry. Yeah. <laughs> She's like totally nonchalant about mm-hmm. it the whole time. Then like she, he he says something and she just laughed. <laughs> I was like, hey, you two are great. Yeah, they were they were good. Um, all right, man, we're at about an hour and a half here. Anything else we want to cover? We went through a lot of the major story beats. Just watch it. It's it's a good show. Um, yeah. The only thing I want to touch on because people are going to compare it to success of other HBO shows. Um, so I just wanted to point this out real quick. This is the number of U.S. viewers. I don't know if this is um, on you know concurrent viewers on Sunday nights when it was released, or if this is overall views to a certain point. Yeah, with the streaming. And um, all that. Yeah. <clears throat> but the first episode had five hundred eighty-eight thousand. Then it jumped up to six hundred thirty-three thousand. Then seven hundred forty-seven thousand. So a great upward trend. Because episode four was nine hundred ninety-one thousand, so you're really like, you're really jumping up, like it's growing quick. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, episode five went to three hundred eighty-two thousand. Oh wow! And then episode six goes up to eight hundred forty-one thousand. Episode seven goes up to a million and eighty-three thousand. Then a million thirty-nine thousand. Then a million forty thousand. In episode nine. So, again, I don't know what those statistics technically read. If that's just um, on like Sunday night when it was released within a specific time frame, Mm -hmm. or if that was like overall to whenever the Wikipedia page was last updated. One one quick thing. I'll let you continue, but I'll just interject real quick. Another thing. um, It has an eight point nine out of ten on IMDb. Very highly rated. In terms of critical reception. Right. But then you look at the success of Game of Thrones and season one averaged 2.52 million per episode with the least being 2.2 million episode two. Damn, even in season one? Yeah, season one averaged 2.52 million. Dude, nothing was a juggernaut. Season eight averaged 11.99, so 12 million was season eight. Per episode. Per episode. But, But again... Game of Thrones is based off novels, well, and which is is way easier to spread across the globe, and people and the people first, get behind it more, right? And and there was a fan base. I think that first book came out in like ninety nine, right? So there was so a fan base long before long the show. before the show. They had he had built up a huge fan base, right. and so obviously when all of those rabid fans found out that their favorite book series was being adapted into a prestige TV show, they all tuned in. They right. told everyone they knew, turned in. There's been nothing like Game the, of Thrones. Game of ever. Thrones was the first big hit as far as like a fantasy show goes. Right. There, in terms there, of like a juggernaut show that there was everyone nothing, was watching. And, and, and it was really good. Right. It was like, getting incredible was, ratings. Right. Yeah. So like people are gonna be like, well, it's not as good as Game of Thrones. Like, well, it's different. It's a it's a it's a right. video game adaptation compared to a book adaptation. Yeah. So remember, video games play completely different than books do. Hundred percent. But still getting a million people to watch is fucking... I that's mean, a that's, big deal. That's big. Not a lot of shows get I, that. I guarantee you season two would probably see double per average, oh, yeah. if not more. I think everyone who's watched it and then the good word of mouth that's happened since the show wrapped up, since season one wrapped up, people will watch it between now and probably the next well, two yeah. years when season two comes out, and it's gonna people are going to be fucking pumped for season two, I think. Well, dude, think of like House of Dragon. Like We're all sitting here like, bro, you better hurry up with House of Dragon, but they're going to go, oh, we got House of Dragon... And then as soon as that ends, we got The Last of Us season two, and everyone's gonna be like, "Fuck yeah, it's gonna be a great year for HBO." Hell yeah, man! I think that's good for us. We got stuff to talk about on this podcast. You know, we'll have it'll probably work that way. Where like House of the Dragon season two will come out, and then six months to a year later, Last of Us season two will come out, 
And then, you know, I think House of the Dragon is going to go five, six seasons at least. Oh, yeah. And then we'll probably have at least two or three of Last of Us. So, yeah, lots of lots of fun shit to talk about for the next few years. It'll be great. Um, real quick before we wrap up, I want to recommend to you and to anyone listening another really good post-apocalyptic show on HBO. It's called Station Eleven. Um, if you're on the – you know, I watch it on HBO Max, um, the streaming service. If you're on The Last of Us – Station Eleven will show up as one of the first things it recommends to you if you liked Last of Us. Um, Station Eleven is really, really good. Very different vibe. Um, no zombies. Basically, it's so it's based on a on a novel by Emily Saint em, Emily Saint John Mendel, I think is her name. Um, the book's really good. The TV show is tremendous. Um, it's basically a a flu pandemic that wipes everyone out, and oh. then it's like twenty years after this devastating pandemic has happened and it's basically about several different groups of survivors and you know it's a post-apocalyptic show so it's kind of depressing in that nature but it has a much more like hopeful um feeling to it than a show like the last of us does and basically the idea is like some of these groups of people are trying their best to keep things like art alive post the end of society, you know, like 20 years later. They're like, this and they're piece doing, of artwork means nothing in an apocalyptic society. We must keep it precious to us. Well, yeah, kind of like that. It's a little, you know, I could see how you could read it as like artsy-fartsy, but I thought it was really good. It's really well acted, very well written. And the one of the groups, basically, they're a traveling um, band that goes around and performs Shakespeare to like these groups of people who are surviving. It's It's more of like, it's more about different groups who are trying to rebuild society and trying to like maintain what makes us human and our humanity and all that. And the whole tagline and the idea of this crew that goes around and performs Shakespeare is survival is insufficient. And that's basically their motto is like it's we need to do more than just survive from day to day. We need to like preserve main, history, main, preserve history, preserve art, maintain what it meant for us to be our humanity well, when we were still a functioning society. Speaking on, of, so highly recommend Station Eleven. Speaking of that, it. real quick, and maybe we can set this episode up way in advance because I think there's a lot of research. But they believe that the Egyptians did not build the pyramids, but the pyramids were built by an earlier civilization that was in Egypt. <laughs> like I've I've been. It was a like Graham Hancock. Like he's the one that like brought it up and he knows a lot more than i do obviously but yeah, yeah. there's like they're they're finding like circular saw motions and like drill bit holes on all of these like pyramids and they're like the egyptians didn't have the tools like that we knew what the egyptians had so there had to have been a civilization before that built this mm. so there's like all sorts of stuff that's coming out and of course it can be a lot of conspiracy theories but then again it's yeah, history yeah. like and so it kind of goes to what you're saying they're trying to preserve history right we aren't very good at preserving our own history as humans mm -hmm. so it would make sense that it's like you know in the last of us you half of them probably didn't even know what 911 was on 2001 in 2023 yeah. because it didn't matter yeah well right? and they in in the show station 11 they play a lot into kind of like what is going on in the last of us where like someone like Ellie was born into this world. That's all they know. They were not, they didn't exist in this post or in the pre apocalypse world. They didn't know what cell phones and the right. internet was and airplanes. She sees that the wreckage of that plane 
And she's like, you used to go up in the sky in those things? And he's like, right. oh, yeah. He's like, it was no big deal. We flew all the time. And she's like, to her, like that's a miracle. Right. Like, that doesn't he's even like, make we sense. We went in space. She's like, you guys went to space? Yeah. It's like a yeah. man walked on the moon. She's like, yeah. on the like, moon? What the fuck? Like, so it's like, you know, there's, in Station Eleven, they cover a lot of that too, where like you have these people, it's 20 years post the world ending, and you have these people who are around who knew what the world was like beforehand. They lived a whole life in that world, and then the world ended. But you also have in this society children and even all the way up to like teenagers who didn't exist before the world. All they've ever known is this world right. where everything has everything society sucks. has collapsed. So it's a very interesting dynamic of like, you know, how would you explain to a 15 year old who was born after the world ended what the internet was or, you know, like what cell phones God, were. And it's like going to a world without crazy. internet would be so good again. Crazy. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my little pitch for a recommendation. We're now at like an hour and forty minutes here, um, but thanks everybody for tuning in. Yes. Uh, I had a Go lot of watch fun. The Last of Us yeah. if you hung around and want to watch it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun chatting about this. It's it's definitely one of my favorite most recent shows. So can't wait for season two. Um, and yeah, we'll be back here in the next week or two with another episode. Don't yes. know, don't know what that's going to be as of yet, but we're getting close to episode one hundred, and we'll have to do something yeah. special for that. But until then. You guys have a blessed day. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See ya.